Hello, and welcome to ICI Digs Deep, sponsored by Asphalt Materials, Inc. Today, Jim Wood and Mike Hoffman of GradeX chat about the importance of personal connections and continual learning when it comes to safety. This is Jim Wood, Director of Safety and Training with Indiana Constructors, and I'd like to welcome our guest today, Mike Hoffman. Mike is the safety manager with GradeX. Mike, welcome. Thanks for taking the time out to uh, talk with me today. No problem, Jim. Pleasure to be here. Sure. Hey, real quick, I would say that the vast majority of the people that are listening will know who GradeX is and what kind of work that you do. But just for the few that don't, could you just a real thumbnail view of what all kind of work GradeX does? Uh, we do a lot of civil work, storm, sewer, sanitary pipe, a lot of large box warehouses, so on and so forth. The dirt work and all the pipe work for those, uh, a lot of road building. We're not in the paving aspect of it. We're not the Reith Riley's milestones of the world, but we do a lot of the big dirt work projects and a lot of the big pipe projects, so on and so forth. Are you predominantly excavation work? Yes, grading and excavation. Okay. That's where okay. that's where the great X name came from. Makes sense. So people always ask me, well, how did you get your start or how did you get into uh, safety? So can you explain that for us or tell us how they, how you came about that? So I grew up in a small town in Northern Indiana and growing up, it was for work. You just kind of did whatever you could find farming, you know, you might go work for a local excavating company, you know, small, which I did that. So it was, you know, introduction into the heavy machinery and field tiling, so on and so forth. You kind of learned to be a jack of all trades there, welding, everything else. And I took a job with a a uh, small piping contractor and kind of started traveling with that and did a lot of pipe welding and millwright work, just kind of expanded on after that, different jobs, working across the country on that. And uh, then between my experience in military as a combat medic in Iraq, and I was a volunteer fireman, I'm still doing that. I was approached at a job site by another contractor. We'd become friends and he needed some help with some things and asked me if I'd be interested in helping out. And I told him I would, and he said they were going to develop a, their own confinement space rescue team. Mm-hmm. And asked if, you know, with my fire background and everything, if I'd be, you know, interested in that. And I said I would. So we kind of got together and uh, I basically folded into the safety department. And that's where, I, when I wasn't doing the rescue stuff or things, I folded in and into the safety department with all my experience with crane operator and, and all that. Then I just kind of did the rescue thing as well. I had a 30-man team. We traveled the country. Wow. Doing standby rescue. and Just kind of all. Just kind of grew organically from there. Yeah, the job opportunity came up here at Great X about five years ago, and I took that, and here I am. I mean, I'm not the uh, I'm not the college educated safety guy. Basically, from the ground up, you know, experience all different types of construction and everything else, and equipment operating, and sure, kind of led to this. That experience, though, is extreme. I mean, you know this to understand how things are done, and, and that kind of experience is extremely beneficial. Whether you're training, you know, developing the program, or training, or just connecting with the people in the field, that. Having that kind of background is extremely valuable. So I think that's awesome. That's an awesome background. We know that every day in safety, there's always a challenge that comes along. What would you say has been one of your biggest challenge that has taught you the biggest lesson? Probably the diversity of people and getting people to buy into what you're saying. You have the older generation that, you know, they've been here forever. And a lot of them, sometimes you get the safety culture. Oh, I ain't listening to the safety guy. or He don't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to connect with the youngest generation, the oldest generation, and from the newest laborer out in the field to the CEO of the company. You have right. to be diverse in your dealings with people, and you have to, you know, you're on the same level with everybody at all times. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest job. No. That's probably the biggest thing is to get the people to buy in 
you know, you have to be the salesman, you have to be the safety guy, you have to wear all these hats in order to do that job to get the buy-in from the people. And it's a lot of work. It really is. So it's a it's multi-talented thing, I think. Yeah. I don't know. We had talked earlier that your safety team comprised of you and Jacob Norris. So you said you guys are both a team. And I'm sure that there's more people that you would count as part of your team as well as far as people in the field and foreman and other lead people. So when I say your team, I kind of pull all those people in the fold. Can you point to something that uh, you and your team implemented that you feel had a big impact on your safety program, whether it be some kind of a leading indicator program or a training or anything along those lines? So a few years ago, what had happened, there were incidences on jobs, whatever. And and what we would do is we would kind of identify where the majority of our problems were. If there was a specific foreman or something, say, you know, you've had X number of incidences on your job, regardless if it's one of his guys fall or something he didn't do. We didn't give you a exact cause, but just, hey, there's X number of incidents. And we felt that the best thing was we would bring that person in and he'd have a sit down with the CEO, Jason Dapp, Chad Arterburner, operations manager, Kyle Weetholder, our CFO, which is also my boss, myself, Jake. And we'd sit down and we would just bring these guys in and we would have a heart to heart talk with them. And let's say, you know, hey, let's get to the bottom of what's going on here. Sure. There's been these incidences and and just kind of talk to them. And in all honesty, that's probably been the best result we've had is we had one guy we brought in and I haven't heard a peep out of that guy. There's nothing, you know, there's no, things don't go wrong on his job site. He's, it's not that he wasn't attentive. It's just, just some bad choices on his part, maybe a little sure, bad sure. choices on his guy's part. And, and, you know, and when somebody gets a phone call or a text or something that, Hey, you need to come to the office and sit down in front of Jason and everybody. Sure. Talk about this. That, that light comes on a little bit and they're going, Oh no, you know, it's not to run the person down. It's not to fire them. It's not to discipline them. It's just to work together as a company to come up with a solution to the problem. And right. it's worked very well for us. Right. It also gives to sit with you and Jason and the, and the other principals that you just mentioned. I think I would get a good indication that, hey, management backs this program. You know, this is company wide. It's not just Mike and Jacob. You know, this is the entire company. And, and I see that management backs this program. Yeah, exactly. That is a big part of it. I mean, this is Jason's company. And when his guys see that, you know, he's vested in this, he believes in what we're doing and he wants our guys to understand that, yeah, the top is looking and they have his support and it's, it's worked really well. That's good. Since 1956, Asphalt Materials Inc. has been focused on the asphalt business with their core strengths on the formulation, manufacturing, and R&D of asphalt binders and emulsions. With a knowledgeable and friendly staff, Asphalt Materials is committed to building long-term relationships with their customers and vendors based on trust. To learn more, give them a call at 317-872-6010. Another question is that we all think of like developing a program or implement a program with some kind of objective or outcome in mind, you're expecting some kind of a good result. Have you ever implemented anything within the safety program that got results, whether it be positive or negative, but got results that you didn't expect? So to say it was a safety program is not, wouldn't be true, but just the implementation of our technology and with the iPads, with everybody in the HCSS software, which, you know, that's our safety, our plans, you know, the guys do their time and everything on that. So some of the older generation, and I'm not dogging on them, of course, but some, and even myself, I'm not the most tech savvy guy. 
there's a lot of guys out there that aren't quite, you know, up to speed with that. So, and we've told them, you know, hey, you got younger guys on your crew, have them help you out. And what that has done is these younger guys, you know, they can pick up these iPads and just fly through them. Mm-hmm. Well, they're seeing how easy it is. And, you know, they're showing their former here, this or that, or this is the easiest way to do that. But they're becoming more engaged with the information that's on that iPad. You know, you're not carrying around a roll of plans anymore. It's all right here on the sheet. And this program can do this and, and you can do all those other things. And that's kind of helped maybe spark somewhat of a on-the-job training program, if you will. Right. For these younger guys that are grasping this technology, embracing it. And it's, you know, I don't want to say inspiring, but they're like, you know, hey, I can do this. Right. I can figure this out. So kind of a foreman training, so to speak, you know, on the job. Some of these guys out there, it's really picking up. And I think that it will help us develop future leaders. Oh, that's good. It's safety and everything. I mean, they're seeing the safety stuff and what we require out of our program and what they need to do. And it's just, you know, the younger generation, it's really easy for them. They're grasping it and they're running with it. Yeah. And you got some additional benefits that you did expect yes. by implementing it. So that's pretty cool. So during your safety career, what's probably the most important thing that you've learned that you kind of carry with you today? That you don't stop learning. I mean, 100%. This year is a prime example. Everybody thought everybody was on top of their game and then COVID hit and it just shattered everybody's program, so to speak. And we had to backpedal and find ways to do things and you don't stop learning. So I can't ever say there's one most important thing, that's for sure, because I'm sure there's hopefully next year doesn't bring up something else bad that we have to learn with, but you just got to learn. You have to adapt. You have to evolve. The we've always done it this way mentality doesn't work anymore. You're dealing with different people and everything. So you just don't stop learning. That's true. I mean, whether it's like you said, COVID or a new standard that's introduced, that's the one aspect about say that I do enjoy is that there's constantly something going on that learning. So quick question for you here is that um, you've got great experience and you're running things at grade X now. Let's say that you were to go into a struggling safety program. Recordables are high. EMR is high. If you were to go in and take over that program, what would be one or two, maybe three things that you would say right off the bat I would do to get this program turned around? Um, I think probably the first and foremost thing you have to do is you have to sit down with the senior management and just flat out ask them, are they prepared to do what they need to do in order to turn their program around? How much buy-in does the senior management have? Right. Are you going to fire your best guy? That's probably the number one question. Are you willing to fire your best guy? Not that we're in this to fire people. No. A well-trained, well-educated workforce is your best tool. But if they say, well, so-and-so has been with us for this amount of years. No, he's just, we can't get rid of him. Is he one of your problems? Well, yeah, but he's been here forever. Okay. But if you're not willing to do what you need to do in that aspect, that's going to be a giant red flag. Out in the field, they say, well, well, Joe gets to do whatever he wants. And there's, there's no repercussions for him because he's been forever that people see that. So how far are they willing to go? Are they going to take ownership of the current status of their program? Because if they're in a failing program, in my opinion, it goes all the way to the top. And if the CEO, the president, whoever is not going to take the buy-in and say, you know what? This is my problem. Sure. This is my fault because it hasn't got from the top down. You're going to fight. So ownership, buy-in from the top down is probably the biggest keys right. in what you want to do. And firing people is not the answer. There's some that if you've given them every opportunity, you know, you may have to. And that's, again, not the end goal. The end goal is to get everybody to buy in. Right. But management's commitment, starting at the top down, what are they committed to do? And are they taking ownership of where their program is now is, is probably one of the biggest questions I would have. Okay. I would say that that's probably one. I've seen it and I would call it when you have two sets of rules, Mm -hmm. rules for these people over here and rules for these people over here. And people can detect that really quick. 
And that can be, I hate to use the word toxic, but that can make a big impact on the safety culture. Well, toxic is the right word because it is. It's a cancer that can just spread within your company. So you're not going to get the buy-in. Why worry about it? Nothing's going to change or this or that. Yeah. COVID, I know it's been a challenge for everybody. Any big things that you've taken away this year as far as you know, having to deal with COVID? It's hard being an essential worker. <laughs> um, again, the buy-in, trying to make sure you're doing everything right, disinfecting stuff, making sure guys have masks following all the protocols of your customers, just trying to keep everybody safe in general and keep their morale up while all that's going on. It's been a challenge for everybody. I think we're all in the same boat. We've all done the same procedures and everything. And it's just kind of a crazy time. Yeah. In general, we'll definitely say without hesitation that when it comes to safety, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. And along the same lines with COVID is everybody's doing everything that's within their capabilities because you don't want to see anybody get sick. And it has been a challenge for everybody. You don't want to shut down your whole job site. It's it's a challenge all the way across the board. Yes. Mike, thanks. I really appreciate your key cog in the wheel of the ICI safety program. And I, as well as other members here at ICI, certainly appreciate your support and our safety efforts here at ICI. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you again to our guests, Mike Hoffman and Jim Wood, as well as our sponsor, Asphalt Materials, Inc. To get in touch with Asphalt Materials, give them a call at 317-872-6010. Join us every Friday during your morning commute to hear safety talks, member spotlights, and inside information about the infrastructure and transportation construction industry. This has been ICI Digs Deep. Let's break ground together. Together.